sexy. <laughs> so, <laughs> Louis, I've been having this dream. Uh-huh. I've been dreaming, and it's similar to the dream I always had about Hitler, where, but now it's not Hitler, it's Donald Trump, and he's buying my parents' house, and like, yeah. I'm trying to hang out with my parents, and then he's just sort of renovating and fucking up the house. And it's really awful. And then I wake up really upset from this dream. Like, I'll be hanging in my parents' yeah. living room, and then he knocks a wall out, and then he's like, I'm Donald Trump, and I'm knocking your wall down. And I'm like, fuck you, Donald Trump. Get out my house. <laughs> um, okay. Well, what, what would Dr. Freud say about this dream? Oh, man. Dr. Freud would probably have something he would first he would ask me uh is donald trump using a ladder uh which he wasn't using a ladder so it's not about me wanting to have sex with donald trump but probably what he would say is that i feel nostalgic for american things that aren't my own and now donald trump is going in there and sort of shattering the illusion of the nostalgia because mm. obviously it comes from a place where I thought a certain like I had a certain perception about America and the whole thing uh, and that was mainly based on a 90s and early 2000s like children's television so yeah and movies so you know uh, that's probably what Freud would say if he were here um, I think he might prescribe you some cocaine i hope he would uh it would help with recording the podcast as well because you know it's the gift of a gift of the gap yeah. it makes you real then we gap. can record two minutes in one minute <laughs> yeah double output i don't know if that would help us or hurt us but either way double podcast power uh okay i guess that's it for our weekly episode of fraser Toss salad and scrambled eggs. Uh-oh. I, I hear him calling again. Yeah, especially for those scrambled eggs, man. You got to put the mayonnaise in the eggs. It's good. <laughs> Egg mayo. I don't remember that from the original Frasier. I am the original Frasier, goddammit. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's dive into our B-side podcast, which is called Be Positive. The Positive B-Movie Podcast with your hosts, Fraser and Louie. It's still me. Yeah, yeah. And it'll probably be you forever. So this week, we got to head up the podcast with a little bit of a religious trigger warning. If you are religious and easily offended by things, then maybe listen to this podcast on a really low volume like so low that you actually physically can't hear it but let it run so we get your listens yeah that's that's the really important part here so if you weren't scared away by the title just you know just let it run quietly in the background yeah of course we're doing jesus christ vampire hunter yeah and so uh this is going to be a difficult one to talk about. Um, yes. we're, I, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I know <laughs> we're probably going to 
We're gonna touch on religion. Yes. Clearly, we're gonna say some things about theology. And Jesus. Um, yeah, and we'll be directly discussing Jesus Christ as a character. Yeah. So, yeah, just be warned. And for everyone else, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. So, Jesus Christ, Vampire Hunter, is probably the single worst film I've seen in my whole entire life. Fate- wow. Fateful Findings ain't got nothing on this. What? That's, that's a difficult call for me to make. I don't know. I still think uh, Neil Breen, the real human Breen, uh, Breenius of the ages. <laughs> I, I still think he might be the worst filmmaker. Yeah. But I mean, okay, I'm I'm offended by this film uh, for a couple of reasons. First off, uh, I'm offended by how can you let a concept as good and solid as Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, like how can you let it flop? It's too good to flop. How did it flop? It's practically, I mean, the film could easily be retitled Zombies versus Vampires, and who doesn't want to see that movie? Mm-hmm. Zombies. Hasn't there been some kind of zombies? Oh no, we've had werewolves versus vampires. Yeah, yeah, but that's old. I want to see the undead fight and a werewolf just sitting there eating popcorn. Because werewolves, they get a bad rap, man, but they just want to chill out. Yeah, like like we saw in the acclaimed documentary, What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. <laughs> oh, Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna this is gonna be a bit of a difficult one, but I think I think we can still be positive. Of course we can. Uh, I want to start us off by just going with the first bit of dialogue we actually hear in the film, and this is after we get uh, intro sequence of a bunch of people yelling at God, um, and then mm-hmm. it kind of makes me uncomfortable because obviously the film is now yelling at me. And they're pleading and shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm not God. I can't help you with this. Why are you all yelling at me? Could you calm down? Uh, I'm also upset. I'm already upset. And, <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then we go into like this uh, this pre-credits sort of thing. And there's this robo-voice saying the names of the actors and then the character names. But it's completely incomprehensible. Yeah, I... It- it took like three actors for me to realize that that's what the <laughs> vocoder was saying. Yeah, I thought it was just like sound, it was just making noise, but no, it was talking. And uh, it felt to me like no one actually test viewed the film. You know, no one watched it to see if you can actually understand what's being said or any of that sort of thing. We follow up that awful sequence, which I was honestly, I was ready to send you a text going, dude, we can't do this movie. I wish we could, but we can't do this movie. It's too bad. I think that's only happened once. Has that happened? <laughs> that's happened one time uh, with Harm- Harmony Kareen, uh Trash Humpers, I believe. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, where that, I mean... And Harmony, that's like actually supposed to be good. an art film. It just shows we you we just couldn't do it. It's too arty. Uh, but... We follow that up with the preacher dude yelling at us, but the first actual piece of dialogue that we hear from like a vampire 
is, and I quote, where have all our lesbians gone? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I want to focus on first, is the homosexual element to the movie. Because at first, and also for like the first uh, hour of this hour and 24 minute film, I was completely convinced that the movie was being extremely homophobic. Yeah, but it is in fact the opposite. Yeah, yeah. There's some bizarre theological stuff going on here where the vampires are hunting lesbians. They feed exclusively off of lesbians. Yes. When when asked why, one of the vampires reply, what, that lesbians are deviants and that no one will miss them. Yeah. Which is a pretty hard stance. That is a pretty hard stance, uh, seeing as though most lesbians also have families. <laughs> yeah. You know. And the people most concerned for the lesbians' welfare, number one, Jesus Christ. Of course, uh, of course. He cares a lot. And then... My man. Punk priest and, and hip, hipster priest. Mm-hmm. Which we see in the beginning, punk priest is, is reading a newspaper and the headline, the front page headline is Ottawa facing critical lesbian shortage. Which I think is really <laughs> great because... You need that demographic. You know, it shows that the... Exactly. It shows that the community itself cannot exist without queer people. Yeah. So there's a sort of weirdness here where the church becomes the defender of homosexuals and the apparently evil satanic forces are the homophobes. Yeah, it's odd. I think that's something that the film goes to great lengths to do is to kind of put a progressive spin on, you know, old church dogma and stuff. Yeah, on, on Christianity in general. So I think just before we sort of skip the, uh, the the plot synopsis, which, I mean, oh God, it's just this movie. It's what, it's it's the power of Christ compelling us. Uh, that's the tagline. Did you see the tagline of the film? What? The power of Christ. The power of Christ impales you. Oh God. Oh man. All right, so... <laughs> The, the film opens. I'm just going to leave the crazy preacher man out because I feel like that was someone who got hold of the edit. Like, it's completely unrelated. I'm sure he says something, but whatever. So, the film starts. We get a nurse getting out of a car. And she gets assaulted by a vampire. Vampire kills her. She doesn't put up any sort of fight. Doesn't scream. She just sort of like, ah, this again. And I sort of imagine... She's been glamoured. Oh, Right. Usually you have to look in their eyes for that, but she was just like... No, no. She just got like a crotch to the backside. She was like... Am- oh. Ambient. Right. Ambient glamour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I sort of feel like this is the same nurse from I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. And then she was just like, oh God, this again. And then we get the vampire saying, where have all our lesbians gone? Which is odd because it's not her lesbians. She's actually just hunting them. We cut to the pre- the punk priest and hipster priest. They're worried about the lesbians. They're gonna find the only man who can help them. So they go down to the beach or a lake or whatever, and they find my man, Jesus Christ, uh, busy baptizing someone. Mm-hmm. As soon as he spots the two priests, he sort of just dunk- dumps the, the person he was baptizing. Uh, in the lake, just sort of unceremoniously, like, ah, fuck off, y'all. 
he walks out, grabs a bottle of what looks to be urine and offers it to the priest. And he's like, would you like some lemonade? And the hipster priest says, but my lord, will there be enough? Uh, obviously referring cleverly to uh, the, the fish and the bread from the Bible, uh, that, that old chestnut where Jesus Christ uh, invented a sort of dish where you have fish inside of a loaf of bread baked. But you know, I might, oh, not, I might not be remembering my scripture correctly. But I believe that's the case, right? I think it fish tacos was that. Fish tacos, uh, and then he just brought a whole bunch for all his friends. Yeah, and I mean fish tacos are really good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, if you're not eating a fish taco right now, you should. They get at- attacked by vampires. A really awful like martial arts fight scene ensues, where Jesus is fighting these vampires, and he sends the priests to quickly bless the lake uh, but they get chomped on and they die unfortunately we don't get to see more of punk priest uh, which is a shame because yeah. i quite enjoyed seeing someone so very punk being a priest because uh, generally yeah. you only see old men with the odd look in their eyes uh, as a priest but this priest has a you know a torn up leather jacket and a mohawk and a helmet that uh, has a slit in the middle for his mohawk so he doesn't have to mess up his hair while he's cruising on his hog yeah which is like a little scooter type thing but uh so (laughs) still a hog yeah still a hog so jesus defeats two of the vampires and the lead vampire the one who asked about the lesbians she disappears and jesus sort of just her name is maxine shrek Oh. In homage to Max Shrek from the OG Nosferatu movie. That's a shame. You know, they didn't have to drag him into this. He didn't <laughs> need to be... <laughs> they didn't need to reference him. Yeah, so... So, uh, he just sort of leaves the two dead priests floating in the lake. And he gets mm. out, goes to... Actually just steals their little scooter and, like, rides off. Uh... Jesus then goes for a haircut inexplicably and gets his ears pierced, which mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess it's just he wanted to make that cosmetic sort of decision. But yeah, it's it's an odd choice. And he now looks less like Jesus Christ than before, which also yeah. unfortunately is played by a white dude. So not not yeah. actually looking like jesus christ they make quite a bit of effort to distance this jesus christ from uh, the biblical or historical one or even you know the the pop cultural conception we have of christ because he you know as you said he gets the haircut and uh, it's an okay haircut i guess but the sideies hmm. anyway and um a couple of scenes later mary magdalene takes him or no sorry mary, mary magnum, magnum great name but so she takes him clothes shopping so uh, i'd say about like 20 minutes into the movie we no longer have any sign that this person is actually jesus christ yeah it takes a lot of the fun out of it for me personally yeah but again i think that's that's to do with the sort of progressive at a few points during this film i wondered to myself whether this movie was financed by like 
a, a church group or a Bible yeah. study class or something. Yeah, because there's also following Jesus's. I don't know. Is this before or after he buys clothes where he gets attacked by the busload of atheists? Uh, that's that's before. All right. So just before he meets Mary Magnum. Jesus is walking down the road with an armful of logs, which he's going to use to make steaks because now he's like full on vampire hunter mode. And uh, and he's already a carpenter. So, yeah, so he knows. knows, I mean, the steaks eventually, they do look pretty good. They're well crafted. Yeah. But he gets like this Jeep pulls up and these two people get out and Jesus is like, who are you? And he's like, and they're like, we know who you are. Hey, Seuss. But you don't know us because we've never spoken to you. Hint, they've never prayed. And then they're like, we're the atheists and we're gonna we're, we're gonna take the second coming. And then they're like, we're gonna stop it or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the exact line is, but they'll say something about the second coming and try to make it clever. And I just sort of checked out for a while. And then it's just like these streams of atheists keep coming and and Jesus just beats them up, probably kills a whole bunch of them too. And I, I didn't really understand why they did that. But yeah, following that, he meets Mary Magnum. They go clothes shopping. We get the unwanted Jesus clothes shopping montage. Yeah, after that, he gets him and Mary Magnum get a hint about where, where the vampires are holed up or they see a vampire and they follow her and they follow her to this sort of factory warehouse type thing and they go into the air vents and they witness what is truly an upsetting scene on on many levels but yeah basically they see they're crawling through the air vents and they see this papa roach looking motherfucker who is <laughs> yeah like <laughs> guy fieri it's guy fieri it's like this is dive, dives Drivers and and dine-ins. Uh, di- dine-ins, driving and dines. And dead dead lesbians. And dead lesbians. Yeah. So Guy Pieri is a mad scientist, and he's just kind of he's and here again some confusion. He's quoting scripture about putting new wine into old wine skins, and how the new wine should go in the new skins. Which, oof, very tangentially then takes us to their harvesting lesbian skins to graft onto vampires to make them daywalkers. Yeah, he's sort of giving them a little layer or a coating of, of skin to block out the sun, which I don't get. He's also sort of smearing the skin on his face and playing around in the yeah. guts. Very odd. Yeah, he's absolutely doing some weird stuff over there. I feel like I was being a little bit voyeuristic watching him because there's some weird sexual shit happening in his mind, which is not right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a truly bizarre scene. Um, but then Maxine Shrek and Johnny Golgotha so they show up and are like, hey, what's up? And the doctor says, we need to har- harvest some more lesbians. Yep. And they go to the lesbian drop-in center and 
just kill a whole bunch of lesbians. Yeah, they don't actually harvest them or anything. They don't. They're not collecting them. They just murder a bunch of lesbians. And they just leave without all that skin or blood. I guess they had lunch, but yeah. So Jesus falls for the oldest trick in the book. The uh, Johnny Golgotha says to Jesus, he's like, "Hey, buddy." Do you want to play a game? And of course, Jesus is like, yes, please, let's let's play a game. And uh, Johnny's like, okay, close your eyes. And Jesus gets sucker punched. I mean, how blind do you have to be? He's just a trusting guy, you know? He always wants to see the best in people. Yeah. Then they follow Johnny and uh, Maxine up to the roof. Uh, Mary gets Mm. vampire bit and Jesus again doesn't really give a shit he just sort of leaves her there he gets beaten up pretty badly and we get the scene of the good samaritan jesus is lying in the street he's bleeding he's beaten up pretty bad and first two people walk by and they're like no buddy we don't have time for your dying antics and then of course a crossdresser shows up and is like oh my god uh, you poor soul, let me nurse you back to health. So the crossdresser takes uh, Jesus back home, nurses him back to health, and then we cut to the next day and Jesus is talking to his dad in a bowl of ice cream and cherries. I don't think we get to see a lot of Jesus and God's relationship, but what, what would you say about the father-son relationship? It's very casual. It's pretty it's pretty normal like it's the way I would talk to my dad. He's like, "Hey dad. Yeah, things have been going okay." And then like his dad's like, "Okay, cool, buddy. I'm going to send El Santo, the legendary Mexican wrestler, to help you out." Uh and then does he say like, "You should call your mom. She really misses you?" Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. And that's a that's a classic dad move, you know. They're always like, "Hey, um I know, like we we've got a similar brain, but just yeah. you know, just remember to remember people. Um, and there is there is a little bit later a great conversation with his mom as well. Yeah, yeah, and she seems like a caring lady. Jesus then teams up with El Santo. El Santo is joined by this mm-hmm. troubling character, right? This 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 female companion of El Santo. She doesn't have a speaking role, but every scene she's in. There is some dude, like some male, grabbing her ass. We get a shot of that. Yeah, she has a a big butt prosthesis thing going on, and her name is Gloria Oddbottom. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really catch her name because, like, as I said, she doesn't have a speaking role. She's just, she's just. Yeah, it is weird, and it it gets really weird at the end. Yeah, yeah. So El Santo shows up and he's this big wrestler. He's like, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to help you. They head out to a bar or something where there's this weird punk Mm -hmm. jazz scat thing happening. And Jesus gets invited up to stage and he does a really awful like scat thing uh, where he tries to be like, but worse than I'm doing it now. It's like, I'm born in a manger. Some shit like that. I don't know. But he's really bad. He's not talented. He should stick to carpentry. But yeah, so then he does that. He turns around, sees that the whole friggin' audience uh, does not have a reflection in the mirror. Because uh, the wall is a mirror, obviously. It's a smoky pub. 
And then he's like, yeah, I need to murder all these people. Let me get on drums. Because you know what drumsticks are really good for? Not playing the drums. Beans. 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 Steaks. Drumsticks. He starts working his way through the crowd, murdering them. Al Santo falls in love with one of the vampires. Also, a vampire who was just making out with another female vampire. So we assume, and this is where the movie gets us, this is where the movie's real clever. We assume that vampire is a lesbian, but El Santo is head over heels and he's like, oh, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. He gets knocked the fuck out. Jesus manages to fight off some of the other vampires, but they're captured. Jesus is taken to the scrapyard thing. Are they captured? How do they get to the scrapyard? So, El Santo and Gloria Ardbutton get caught. And Jesus, he... No, I think he gets away and then gets a call from the vampires saying, like, we've, we've got your friends. Come to our junkyard. Yeah, I think. Well, either way, Jesus shows up at the junkyard. He gets beaten up, uh, which happens to him a lot. Yeah. And... I have to say the actor is not very intimidating and I always imagined Jesus to be taller, but who knows what he looked yeah. like because, yeah. And uh, then he gets captured and they sort of do this draw and quartering type vibe with him where they tie him up between two two little hot hatchbacks, <laughs> uh, two little cars. Yeah. And they're gonna pull him apart and obviously there's mud everywhere, so they're not really succeeding. and. Jesus manages to... No, El Santo manages to free himself by breaking his chains. Uh, He... (laughs) After crushing Gloria Ardbottom, he chews through Jesus' ropes. Mm -hmm. And Jesus and El Santo uh, go about slaying the vampires. Jesus is also accosted by Mary Magnum as a vampire, doing some sick motorbike stunts. They just basically kill all the vampires and then jesus brings back a few of them as humans uh which i feel like maybe he could just turn them into humans before fighting them um no i don't i don't think that's how how it works but he's jesus though (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh mary magnum is like you have to bring back maxine shrek i'm totally in love with her Jesus is like, sweet buddy, I'll do it. And uh, this is right about the time where Jesus says, uh, or someone's like, oh, but Jesus, don't you have a problem with lesbian love? And then Jesus says something like, love is love, doesn't matter who it comes from. And that's the first point in the film where I actually noticed that this was not homophobic, but it was pro-LGBTQ+. Yeah, 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 agreed. This is a bizarre film. And then uh, the, the vampire that El Santo is in love with, he gets her brought back to life and she kisses him and he's very happy. And Jesus is like, but weren't you a lesbian? What does he say? But Maggie, aren't you a lesbian? Yeah. And she's, she says, no, I'm bi. And they all celebrate. They all El Santo is like <laughs> over the <Yay>! moon. <laughs> and they're like... <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's fantastic. I'm glad everyone ends up with who they want to end up with. Uh, El Santo then gets back in his tiny plane. Uh, he flies back to Mexico, I guess, or wherever he's living now. And we get the shot of Jesus reaching down 
and fondling Gloria Oddbottom's bottom. Her Oddbottom. Yeah, that seemed like a really bizarre departure from the, the, the Jesus Christ mythos. My big issue with this movie, and I, I mean, it's... I, I, I see they were going for like a schlocky, fun time type thing, but it wasn't really fun. The action was painful. They put in a lot of fight scenes really just to make up time. Poorly choreographed fight scenes, terrible dialogue. Yeah. The whole movie seemed forced. And a big issue I had with it was it's pretending to be really progressive, but then also it's portraying Jesus as a white dude. Yeah, it definitely is not, is not what the, what the kids today would call uh, woke AF. Yeah, there's a cognitive dissonance between what they're trying to portray and, you know, what they actually manage to, to portray. That relates to the, the main topic I, I'd like to discuss in this episode is what's, what's the line? Where is the line between homage and blasphemy? Because, okay, so this is a 2001, 2002 film? Doesn't yeah, matter. either way. So, um, this is a film made after Blade, after The Matrix, and yet it looks like an early precursor to those films. It looks like it came out of the 70s, you know? Yeah. And I think that's largely deliberate. That's like the thing they were going for. So it exists kind of as, as an homage to 70s drive-in schlock. And at the same time, it is apparently this both pro-Christian and pro-LGBTQ plus film. Yeah. But in both cases, they seem to kind of overstep a line where the Christian elements begin to look quite blasphemous and... The queer elements look homophobic. Yeah, they're playing with a sense of familiarity. They're very comfortable with the topics in a way that is kind of offensive to the casual viewer. Yeah, so it's difficult to judge for me whether this film does what it wants to do. Yeah, I think this film falls short in many aspects. I, I said here it manages to be homophobic, racist, religiously insensitive and musically offensive oh. all at once yeah i can definitely agree on that last one we get a musical number which obviously is an homage to jesus christ superstar man i guess but what oh boy so the, the musical also goes through the the mangler of this film mm -hmm. there's a line about jesus says so you say you've got wounds uh, well, show me yours and I'll show you mine. <laughs> and he holds up his stigmata. And then he skateboards away. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Uh, the, the movie is funny when you're talking about it after having watched it. But while you're watching it, it's kind of traumatic. No, it was a very difficult watch. But Fraser, I'm going to now force you to tell us yes why you think this film is very good yeah mm -hmm. all right so what i find extremely good about this film is the way in which they 
portrays the church as this pro-LGBTQ plus uh, force uh, and this caring organization and whatever, which we all know it isn't, but they portray it as such and then they portray the vampires as kind of the way that the church really is in terms of, of the queer community. Yeah. That forces us to see the church for what, according to Jesus' teachings, the church should be, which is uh, an organization that promotes love and acceptance and mohawks. But juxtaposed with what the church and mohawks, you know, acceptance and uh, but no mullets. No, absolutely not. No, that, that, that's wrong. And then they show this ideal of the church juxtaposed with these traditional demonic enemies of Christianity, uh, which are these pagan vampire things, yeah. uh, vampire creatures. And we, we get the sense that what they're actually trying to do through all the schlock and idiocy is they're trying to show, point out or highlight uh, what's really going on in Christianity today. And, you know, it's it's sort of the version of the church that Jesus, Jesus would have aligned himself with had he, you know, been resurrected or come back or however it works, the, the second coming. It seems in this film that Jesus has just kind of been around. Yeah. Just like doing little baptisms and traveling Canada, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I also uh, find that interesting. The vampires don't seem to be explicitly anti-Christian or even necessarily connected to the to the devil, which is what we'd probably expect from a, a vampire film. Uh, the other... Yeah, especially a vampire film involving Christianity. Christian. Yeah, exactly, because the, the other kind of vampire film is the, you know, the biological vampire where it's a, a virus or a fungal infestation or a little fish that swam up your pee hole or whatever. Hey man, it's happened to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so this film seems to kind of, again, not commit itself to either one of those arguments because the vampires are evil but there also seems to be like a large science gone awry sort of plot this this movie is definitely like main villain would be the scientist the vampires are pretty incidental uh, really they're they're just working with the scientist and the scientist is really the one demanding more lesbian sacrifice you know he needs more skin as we all know scientists do that sort of shit they're they're evil no i'm kidding i, I love science but then we also have the atheists who just randomly attack yeah. christ it's like that's also where i got the sense that this was funded by like someone's bible study group right because it's like okay guys what are you really trying to say here Atheists are evil and they would attack Jesus on And they're site. all a no, bunch of atheists. fucking Matrix cosplayers. Like, the fashions. <laughs> yeah. This was clearly made by a group of friends. And they sort of cast everyone they know. And they're a very edgy, niche group of Christian friends from Canada. And they're just having fun with this film. And they didn't really think things through. And 
they were trying to be pro a community that they're probably a part of already yeah and that's that's tough because that familiarity leads to uh if you're not as familiar with those people they're sort of inside jokes and and those inside jokes can be put like can be interpreted as offensive or not woke yeah you know that sort of thing it's like you have to be very careful when you're writing these scripts because i feel like they meant it to be pro pro queer but it just came off a little bit offensive in in the end it man yeah it's such a strange film to talk about because it it has so much ambiguity when it comes to that like it it really is quite difficult to tell but i think that might be for me the the film's saving grace is the apparent naivety of it so even if their arguments aren't sound and the plot isn't sound and the characters aren't sound and the acting is not sound and the sound is no no not sound um no nothing is sound in this movie (laughs) it's it it at least seems like they really just just did it you know what they they put their heads together (laughs) and they just did the thing yeah it it feels like a first year film like if you're watching uh you know those those after premieres Mm. that they always used to have it feels like you're watching something that maybe someone in their first semester at film school made you know and the writer wouldn't stop taking heroin yeah or whatever except it's it's feature length except it's feature length it's not 10 minutes it's not like a little short experiment where you can still appreciate it for what it is it's it's too long and it's grating and i apologize if you watch this film i honestly like i apologize (laughs) (laughs) we had to do it though we had to do it um uh that brings me to a question that i have for you louis what would slavoj say what's the ideology that's a, a really good question and a very difficult question I think. Yeah, it applies to everything. Yeah, I think ideologically this film is just too muddled to really have a... Which kind of makes it very postmodern, neoliberal, that it, you know, it grabs elements from everywhere without necessarily committing fully to any single one. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping you would do a Slavoj Slavoj Zizek voice there. <laughs> um, the again, that would be that would skirt the line, you know, between homage and insult. Exactly, exactly. But hasn't this film taught us anything? Has it? Has it taught us? Any- no. <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, so, so Louis, I would like you to rate this film out of one to a hundred angry atheists climbing out of a small jeep. How many atheists would you send after Jesus Christ? I'm gonna give this film uh, 80 atheists for heart, but 20 atheists for execution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would send one crotchety old atheist after Jesus Christ and be like, go, go to him. <laughs> um, another definitive rating from B Positive. 
did you know, Louis, mm-hmm. that we got our uh, our first five star review? We did on Apple Podcasts. Awesome. That's man. That's great news. Yeah. Uh, shout out to OC Discussions, uh, which is another podcast. There, they're very good. I I always longingly look at their beer recommendations nice. because I can't find those beers where I am, and it makes me sad. But you know they're they're good. Check them out, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Stay Scary. We're on Facebook, also at Stay Scary. Uh, Louis, you're running the Facebook. How's things? Yeah. How are things going? Um, you know what? I think I've I've given a lot of our personal data to Mark Zuckerberg. So pretty good. Pretty uh, good. Yes. Oh, great, great. Yeah, no. uh, all hail. And then on Twitter, things are also going well. I'm I've been interacting with some other people, having fun. I'm glad at least one of us is having fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you start having fun soon. Because we're 27, 28 episodes. We are, we are. Uh, and that's cool. I enjoy, I've been, I've enjoyed making you people listen to this. You people. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just, I'm just pretty shocked that we started something and then actually committed to it and stuck to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm very proud of us. And then, as always, wait, before we do that, I have a special announcement. We're changing things up in the podcast, <gasps> Louis. We're announcing the next episode in this episode. Oh my god. The next episode. All right, let me do it. Next time on Be Positive. Short Night of Glass Dolls. Oh no. (laughs) So go out and watch Short Night of the Glass Dolls uh, as homework for the next episode. Or don't watch it. You know, that's also fine. And just listen. I mean, if you just like the sound of our voice and don't really care about the content, that's fine too. Uh, but we do work hard on the content. We're really, we're really having fun. Yeah, working hard, having fun, o- learning a lot. Hopefully, we're going to be able to break out of this um, be negative streak. Yeah, I feel like uh, Short Night of Glass Dolls is going to be a good one. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. Maybe I haven't watched it, so we'll yeah. See. Okay, I'm excited. Yep. And then, as always, you stay scared. That's one spooky lesbian. Ha! <laughs> and, yeah, Louis, dude, this movie really, really sucks. shook me to my core. Uh, I'm gonna check your face and